I know throughout the summer, a lot of us have travel schedules and whatnot. Just want to remind you that our website, cityharborchurch.com, and our various social media outlets are always working um, and available to you. You can always listen to the audio, whether streaming or downloading um, any of our messages. They also We also post the notes for every message as well as the audio at cityharborchurch.com. And also every day um, I post uh, some suggested Bible reading and every day I post some comments on that Bible reading. And that's um, at my site, which is benmalman.com, which is B-E-N-M-A-L-M-I-N, benmalman.com. You can find a daily post with some suggested Bible reading uh, as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the Psalms. I thank you for this collection of inspired poems and prayers and songs that help us in following Jesus, that help us in our relationship with you, O God. I thank you for it. It's a gift to us. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would guide us into truth as we read this passage this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. How's this level? Is it too loud? Perfect. Okay. I know we're all adjusting with the fans and whatnot, so I thank thank you for your patience. Okay. Psalm 34. I will praise the Lord at all times, or your translation might say, bless the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. I'm thankful for this psalm this morning. And... I just want to title this morning's message, Rescue. That's the 
the word that is repeated most often in the psalm. And I just want to talk about this a little bit. So you may notice at the top of the chapter an editor's note about the psalm. And I just want to explain that a little bit. This is one of the psalms that is a Hebrew acrostic poem. That means that each verse begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Why? Well, just like Psalm 119 and other psalms that are also an acrostic poem with the Hebrew alphabet, it was a memory device. It was writing a poem in such a way that would be easier from children to adults to be able to memorize the poem because it's important. It's an important poem. It's written in that way because it's like, hey, listen, pay attention. And people that would have originally read it and memorized it and prayed it would have recognized that. They would have said, oh, this is an acrostic poem in that, you know, A, apple, B, Ben, C, cheesecake. You get the point. So what we see when we read the the poem at large, the psalm, is that David recognized an important lesson and he wrote a poem in a way that would make it easier to remember. Now, I just want to summarize for you um, a variety of research to help us understand the backstory to what's going on in this psalm. And just for the sake of time, I just, I wrote it out to help us understand it. So what's the story here? The editor of Psalms includes this notation. It refers back to the story of David that we see recorded by Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, we read that David realized King Saul was determined to kill him. In 1 Samuel 1, 21 through 9, David runs from King Saul, who's in Jerusalem, to the town of Nob. How would you like to be from Nob? It was a suburb of Jerusalem to the south. Nob is the new place of worship. Under Eli, the priest and his sons, their place of meeting God, called the tabernacle, had been destroyed and the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by the Philistines. Now David visits the priest Ahimelech, the grandson of Eli, at this new place of worship. Shiloh had been destroyed by the Philistines. And so they had set up a new place of worship trying to follow the ways of God after their stuff had been robbed, after their special place of meeting God had been robbed. When David shows up to this priest, the priest is afraid of King Saul. He immediately questions David. David lies to the priest about his purpose for being there and about the protection that he has. David asks the priest for provision and a weapon. David receives the holy bread from the place of worship and Goliath's sword. The priest says, we don't have any weapons because their enemies have been forcing them to not make weapons. Here's the only thing I got, and it's Goliath's sword. Now you may remember that when David was younger, he defeated Goliath and took his sword and removed his head with his sword, right? And so David was like, I remember that sword. There's nothing like it. And David takes the sword. Now, David has deceived the priest And then what he does, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21, verses 10 through 15, is then he goes to Goliath's hometown of Gath. And its king 
Achis. Now you'll, you'll notice a different name there than is that the note at the top of this psalm. That's because Abimelech is a royal title for the Philistine kings in Gath. It was pointed down. So it's King Abimelech, whose name was Achish or Achish. I kind of feel Achish sometimes. So what we see is that David feared what the Philistine enemy king might do to him. He was afraid of what the king might do. So he deceived the king by pretending to be crazy. He's frothing at the mouth, scratching at the door. The king was like, get this guy out of here. Now, what we don't know is, did David start his escape from Saul by running to a place of worship, only to change his mind by a lack of trust in God? Did David think he could defeat the Philistines alone? I got Goliath's sword, now I'm going to Goliath's hometown, Saul will never chase me there, and I can own these Philistines, they'll be afraid of me because I got Goliath's sword, they'll remember who I am, I'm going to take off and do it myself, by myself. Did David think that deception was necessary for his safety? He got there and was like, ah, I can't do this. And so he pretended to be crazy to deceive the king. Here's what we do know. King Saul, who was determined to kill David, represented a problem that was beyond David's control. Ever had a problem that's beyond your control? If you're human, you have. So in Psalm 34, David reflects on this story from his life and realizes that God had rescued him. David learned that he had not rescued himself by his own cunning. If you go back and you read the story, David pretending to be crazy is what caused the king to dismiss him. So he could have said, oh, you know, I'm crafty and that's what made me safe. But he specifically writes this psalm saying that he learned, he realized that even in his deception, even in his lies, God had protected him. God had rescued him. God was his rescue. So David chooses to bless God and not stress tomorrow. That's why we get this song. He says, bless the Lord. Barak Yahweh is the start of the Hebrew in Psalm 34 verse 1. Barak Yahweh. It's an imperative. It is a, I will and you will. Y'all better do this with me. That's the grammar. That's the, the way that it's phrased. Barak Yahweh. Bless the Lord and I looked it up in the Hebrew. At all times means at all times. Now, I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to be rescued. I, growing up, was a a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and needed to be rescued on a number of occasions. At one point in middle school, I was out on the basketball court and I didn't have an ounce of natural ability, but I always have hustle. I will out-hustle a fool. I might not catch the ball when I get there, but I will out-hustle somebody. I'm going to outwork somebody. And in middle school, there was this guy named Paul who had come to our school. Paul had not gone to elementary school with us. He came in from middle school and he had a lot more natural athletic talent than I did. And he was frustrated because the coach on the school basketball team was calling him out because I was boxing him out and getting rebounds. And so he was had a building frustration with me. Because here I am, shorter, slower, not as talented or coordinated, but I'm outworking him. 
And we were out on the playground just playing pickup basketball. There was a whole bunch of us. And I honestly don't even remember what I did, but something I did ticked him off. And before I knew it, he had knocked me to the ground. I'm laying on my back on the asphalt and I see him above me with a raised fist. And I have this moment of shock of what happened? How did I get in this situation? And I see a blur fly across the top of Paul and Paul goes flying off of me, rolling into the asphalt and it was my friend Todd. Now Todd had less athletic ability than I did. And so Todd wouldn't even play the pickup games of basketball. I mean, Todd has a lot of strengths and is a good guy, but none of those strengths involve coordination. And Todd also was really not a fighter. He, he, he couldn't throw a punch that would have effect. But he was tough and he could take a punch. And we were friends and he rescued me. He protected me. As quick as it happened, Todd was there and I was okay. I was rescued. David learned some lessons. He learned in thinking back on his life, in reflecting that it was God who had rescued him. And sometimes it takes a little bit of maturity. How many of you know that chronological age does not equate to maturity? And broken noses in life and bruised egos does not equate to maturity. What comes with the maturity is if you will learn from those things. Are you with me? So David had learned some lessons. So he reflects on his stories from his life and he realizes that God had rescued him. So he chooses to bless God and not stress tomorrow. We reread the psalm many times and I'm going to give you an idea, a suggestion of some things that you can do today and this week with this psalm that I think will help you make the decision to bless God and not stress tomorrow. So here's a little bit of some of the lessons that David had learned about blessing God. You see on the screen, Psalm 34, 1, Psalm 46, 10, and Psalm 22, 3. So glance at those real quick. So we see the beginning of Psalm 34, bless the Lord at all times. From Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. With God speaking to his people, God saying, all y'all need to have some moments where you quiet down, quiet your mind, quiet your surroundings, and think, and breathe, and be. This following Jesus thing involves our actions, but it is not a action first thing. It is a state of being first thing. And one of the aspects of that that David had learned was that we are to be still and know. And that word know is a rich word if you do word studies in the Bible. It includes both a learning of the intellect of all of your intellectual capacity, your decision making, your emotions, your soul. But it also includes an experiential learning and an experiential 
taste and see that God is good. It also includes an intimacy. So what it means is that when you learn, when you experience, you can come into a place of intimacy. This should be our experience in growing closer to God, in growing in maturity. We are be still and know that Yahweh is God. Now, David also learned a lesson we see, Psalm 22, verse 3. And when you're having a bad day, a lot of us might just grab Psalm 23 to help us get the warm fuzzies. I would encourage you, when you do that, maybe start with 23, but then read 22 and then 23. Read them together, because in 23, it's like, my life is terrible! But even in the midst of my life is terrible, in Psalm 22 and verse 3, we get a very important principle. I'm not going to teach on it today, but we will this year and in the coming year talk a lot more about what we call the Tabernacle of David, which was referred to in the book of Acts for the local church following the principles of Jesus, a psalmic worship. And a psalmic worship includes this principle. It says, yet... In the middle of, hey, my life is terrible, yet you are holy. And Pastor Rebecca led us in singing that refrain today. Holy, holy, holy. We see in John's revelation of Jesus, that's an important song in the presence of God. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Sorry. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. You may have heard the translation, God inhabits the praises of his people. And let me just give you the word picture because this is a very important principle. We're at youth camp this week and five of our students at youth camp this week. This was talked about a number of times. This is considered in our home church in Portland, Oregon and in our network of churches across the U.S. and in other countries. One of the essential truths in our DNA, this tabernacle of David type of worship. And here's what this means. God, you are holy. Our praises make a seat for you. And in the Hebrew, the word picture is God comes to dwell among them when they praise God. It is a principle. And here's the thing. As was talked about this week, praise and worship are not about your comfort. In fact, it is calling you out of your comfort zone. Preaching to the choir, because here we are, it's 80 some degrees in this room, and y'all are here. Right? So thank you, you get this principle. But beyond that, when you are here in this place, or when you are in a private place, or when you're with some friends out on the street, or in your home, this is a principle that works. When I make a decision of my will, which is at the top of Psalm 34, 1, Barak Yahweh, bless the Lord, I will. What was it that Satan said, I will ascend, right, is a rebellion. You can make a decision of your will. The way that God has created us with a free will makes it possible for us to truly experience a love relationship with God. And when you bless the Lord at all times, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of if it's a good day, a bad day, a boring day, which are my least favorite boring days, 
If you will choose to enthrone God with your praises, He will come and inhabit and dwell in that place. Now clearly, we believe that God is all-knowing and that God is everywhere. And yet we see Jesus on the cross, God turns His face. And yet we see that there are moments and there are seasons where there's a visitation of God the Holy Spirit, where everybody in the place is suddenly aware, like never before, God is in this place. And what I believe we see here in this principle is that when I will choose to praise God, I will become more aware of His presence and God dwells among, God comes to live in a place where He is praised. It's a solid biblical principle. It works. It works if you work it. So work it, you're worth it. God enthrones. Now think about this. In this psalm, in this story of David... He suddenly realizes Saul is determined to kill him, and where does he go? He goes to the place of worship. He knew, as a young boy, worship. He learned worship. He knew what it was to experience the presence of God in a variety of places. He goes to the place of worship. It's a time where there has been destruction by the Philistines. Their special place of worship had been destroyed. Imagine this building had been leveled and anything, any object that might be special to you was taken. And what did they do? They had to set up a tent in a small desert town. And because of the rebuilding and what was going on even in their own city of Jerusalem, they didn't do it there. They did it at a smaller town to the south of Jerusalem. And David goes to that place. Why? Because David understands that the place of meeting, it was called the tent of meeting. It was where from generations past, you see in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it talked about God said, I will come and I will live among you. And in Jesus, in John's revelation of Jesus, is talking about what will happen yet in the future. It is about God living among us. Us living among God. God wants that kind of intimate relationship, uninhabited, uninterrupted, communal, personal relationship in a way that is powerful, in a way that is transformative. It is what God desired and David understood that and yet here he is, he is facing a problem that is beyond his control and when he gets to the house of God, the priest responds out of fear and there's a whole aspect of this story. He's Eli's grandson and what did Eli do? Eli made mistakes, his sons made worse mistakes and there was a spirit of fear, a carnal, a looking at the physical world more than what God was. And the priest said to him, why are you here and where is your protection? Because the priest knew that Saul was coming and guess what? The priest was right because the first Samuel chapter 22, Saul came and he leveled Nob and he destroyed that place of meeting God. There was a fear and David responded to the priest's fear with deception. He was afraid. We all make mistakes. He was doing the right thing and then doing the wrong thing. It's the human experience. It's the human experience. Let's reread the psalm. Now knowing the story, but here's what I want you to look for so that this week and today you can activate this praise principle. Are you with me? 
How, how can I bless God when I don't know what to bless God for? Here's two categories of ways that you can look to bless God. We want to bless God for who God is. Who is God? And we have indications of that in that psalm. So when we read it, I want you to look for, underline, put a, a single dot next to some word, some phrase that refers to who God is. The other thing that we can bless God for is for all that God is doing. Who God is and what God has done or is doing. So we want to look for that in the psalm. And just for the sake of time, I'll give you one other layer. I want you to look for in the psalm, maybe later today, put a couple of dots, a different color, underline under. What is the response that is expected? How does David respond? And how does David say we should respond to God? Okay? So I know that may be a little bit too much, so try to pick one thing that works for you. Look for it as we reread the psalm. Who God is, all that God has done, and what our response should be. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name forever. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you godly, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you uh, to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. So I just want to summarize our lessons from this psalm. Here's who we see that God is. Well, God is good. God is great. These are just taking these straight from the psalm. God is a creator. God is a provider. God is rescue. God is refuge. God sent His angel as a guard. God is Redeemer. Your week will be better if you reflect on who God is. 
if you will take time and energy to be still and know your Lord. Barak Yahweh, bless the Lord at all times. Bless Him. Here's what I think. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Well, here's a really good suggestion. Just bless God for who God is. Open Psalm 34 and say, God, I believe that you are the provider. God, I believe you are the rescue at all times. What do, what do we see? What is God doing? I'm going to go through these very quickly. On the, they'll be on the screen and in the notes on the website. God is what? He's answered prayer. Freed David from all his fears. We sang about that today. It's relevant to that story. God listened. God saved him from all his troubles. God surrounds. God defends. God watches over. God listens. God rescues from trouble. God is close to the brokenhearted and rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When you are brokenhearted, you are blessed. Because God is close to you. God is close to you. God is a rescue. God protects. God redeems. Now, on the screen you see with the references, just straight from the psalm, not all, but some of what our response to this should be. So if you're saying, hey, Pastor Ben, what do I do this week in response? Well, obviously, as I've said repeatedly, the lesson that's at the top of the psalm is praise. Bless God at all times. Bless Him. Bless Him. If you spend time and energy doing that, you will feel better. God will look bigger in your perspective and your problems will look smaller. Something in you will shift. So praise. What we also see in the psalm is God responding to those who pray. Talk to God. Explain your situation even though He already knows it. Call Him for help. Ask. Talk to God. Pray. It's our responsibility. It helps us to do this. Third, what we see in the psalm is we are called to trust God. Maybe one of the most difficult aspects of this because we tend to relate to God as though God is human. And we subconsciously at least think that God will be like this one day and like that another day inconsistent like humans and maybe fail us or abandon us like humans maybe backstab us like humans God is not human our trust in God as was mentioned earlier in the service also is not about blind faith we should search out and examine who God is. And this psalm is a really good example of a passage of Scripture that calls us to expand our understanding of who God is, to learn from it. How many of you would like to maybe stop trying to learn the lessons the hard way and start to learn the lessons the easy way, right? I don't know how many lessons I learned the hard way. Listen, you have a chance 
to learn the lesson an easy way by learning from David's experience. I hope that you haven't had to run for your life before, but David did. Let's learn from his experience. What we see very clearly in verses 11 through 14 is that we are instructed to watch our mouth. Moving right along, what we also see in verse 22 is service. It helps to serve. It will bring us to a place of this kind of relationship with God. When I was seven years old, my parents were with this group of Christians at a retreat center. And there was a places where you would sleep. And then there was a building where there was like a dining hall, multi-purpose room. It was a two-story building. And the back exit of the building, there was a stairway that went from the second story down to the ground. And... Earlier in the day, I had seen a bunch of older kids sliding down that banister. And that looked like a lot of fun. My parents had called me over, we were doing different things. And then they were all praying, and so, you know, I was not praying. I was seven years old, I was running around. And I'm sure I did something to terrorize these older kids. I don't remember what, quite frankly. Uh, But they started to chase me. And I'm running and running for my life. And there was a few of them. They were, you know, like double my size. Believe it or not, I used to be really, really, really thin. And I ended up thinking, well, I'm running this way. I'm running that way outside. Well, I know I'll lose them if I go up through the meeting hall where all the grown-ups are praying. I go up through the meeting hall. They're still on my tail. So I fly out that back entrance and I think, I know, I'm going to slide down that banister. I hopped up on that banister and I got maybe three feet and whoop and fell to the ground. Oh, a full story. Okay? A full story to the ground. Landed on my back. Miraculously, the only thing that happened was I had a broken wrist. It's one of my concussions. I was knocked unconscious. I came to and there's adults over top of me. And one of them was a nurse, it turned out, who had the, the same name, uh, first name as my mom, who we, we knew, we've known for decades since then. When I looked around, still laying down, I looked over here, and this far from my head, there was a brick that was pointed up out of the dirt, the point right there. If I had landed that far over, the back of my skull would have been crushed. Now, as a kid, I can think, I'm good at falling. (laughs) I know how to fall. I'm a world-class faller. Or I can look back on that incident in my life and say that God rescued me. I wonder if you would learn from David or even today, look back in your own life and consider where God has rescued you. And most certainly and most meaningfully saved us from certain punishment of our sins. We know true love by this. God sent His Son Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died. The rescue of God includes your salvation. So today, 
Barak, Yahweh, bless the Lord at all times. He has rescued you. Our God is good. Let's close in prayer. We'll be available to pray for you if you'd like to receive prayer for any reason today. Lord, I thank you that you've given us so much to learn from Psalm 34. Thank you that you are our rescue. Thank you that we will benefit if we will bless you, if we will praise you for who you are and for all that you are doing. God, we need your help. We need your help to learn. We need your help to recognize the rescue. We need your help to be still and know that you are God. We need help to make a decision of our will to bless you at all times on any day. Help us today. Lord, today we pray for so many that are in need of your help. Lord, Uncle Jay who's in need of healing. Melinda who's recovering from surgery. Lord, um, others that are recovering from surgery. Others that are recovering from different illnesses. We ask for miracles of healing. Lord, those that we know that are in need of a miracle of salvation. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with them. That they would hear your voice. Lord, we ask that you would help us to walk forward and to know what you would have us to do. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've spoken to us and that you've given us relationship with each other. In the name of Jesus, amen.